Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. There's a, a guy online, Billboard Chris, that has the story of it. It is a bombshell. And it is sensitive. Just so you know. Very sensitive in nature. Because it has to do uh, with... I mean, it's a crazy story. It has to do with St. Louis Children's Hospital gender clinic. That's in our that's in our hometown. That's crazy. That's in our hometown. Gender clinic. And so it's it's uh, Barbie Weiss's publication. And it says, I thought the headline is I thought I was saving trans kids. Now I'm blowing the whistle. There are more than 100 pediatric gender clinics around the U.S. And this individual says that she worked at one. And what is happening to children is morally and medically appalling. Jamie Reed wrote this story. And I want to share it with you because this is, this is in our hometown. She writes, for almost four years, I worked at the Washington University School of Medicine Division of Infectious Diseases with teens and young adults who were HIV positive. Many of them were trans or otherwise gender nonconforming. And I could relate, she writes, through childhood and adolescence. I did a lot of gender questioning myself. She adds, I'm now married to a trans man and we are raising my two biological children from a previous marriage and three foster children we hope to adopt. And she says that all of that led me to a job in 2018 as a case manager at the Washington University Transgender Clinic, Transgender Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital, which had been established a year earlier. She adds the center's working assumption was that the earlier you treat kids with gender dysphoria, the more anguish you can prevent later on. And this premise was shared by the center's doctors and therapists. Given their expertise, Reed wrote, I assumed that abundant evidence backed this consensus. Reed says that during the four years I worked at the clinic as a case manager, I was responsible for patient intake and oversight. Around a thousand distressed young people came through our doors. The majority of them received hormone prescriptions that can have life-altering consequences, including sterility. Reed adds that she left the clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. Reed writes, today I'm speaking out, and I'm doing so knowing how toxic the public conversation is around this highly contentious issue and the ways my testimony might be misused. I'm doing so knowing that I'm putting myself at serious personal and professional risk. She adds, almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, but I cannot in good conscience do so because what is happening to scores of children, it's far more important than my comfort. And what is happening to them is morally and medically appalling. She gets into... What she saw after she arrived at the transgender center, how she writes, I was struck by the lack of formal protocols for treatment. The center's physician co-directors were essentially the sole authority. And she said, at first, the patient population was tipped toward what used to be the traditional instance of a child with gender dysphoria, a boy often quite young who wanted to present, who wanted to be a girl. She wrote that until 2015 or so, a very small number of these boys comprised the population of pediatric gender dysphoria cases. And that then across the Western world, there was a dramatic increase in a new population. Teenage girls with no previous history at all of gender distress suddenly declared they were transgender and demanded immediate treatment with testosterone. And she said she saw this at the center. There were 
10 calls a month, she wrote. And then when she left, there were 50 and 70% of new patients were girls, sometimes clusters from the same high school. And she said it was concerning, but she didn't feel like she was in the position to sound some kind of alarm back then. She said, there was a team, about eight of us, and only one other person thought the kinds of questions that I had. Anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called a transphobe. And the girls, she said, who came to us had many comorbidities, depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity. Many were diagnosed with autism or had autism-like symptoms. A report last year on the British Pediatric Gender Center found that one-third of the patients referred there were on the autism spectrum. And she said, frequently our, our patients declare they had disorders no one believed they had. Like they would say they had Tourette's and they didn't, or they had tic disorders and they didn't. They had multiple personalities, but they didn't. The doctor, she wrote, privately recognized these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion. They even acknowledged that suicide has an element of social contagion. But when I said the clusters of girls streaming in our service looked as if their gender issues might be a manifestation of social contagion, she said the doctor said gender identity reflected something innate. And that all girls needed was a letter of support from a therapist. And they only had to see them once or twice. And then they get the green light. And then all of a sudden they get a letter in support of transition. And then they go to an endocrinologist and they get testosterone. And that's all it took, she said. And when a female takes testosterone, the profound and permanent effects can be seen in a matter of months. She writes, voices drop, beards sprout, body fat is is redistributed, sexual interest explodes, aggression increases, mood is unpredictable. And that's on top of being teenagers who are still growing with their hormones. She says... After working at the center, I came to believe that teenagers are not capable of fully grasping what it means to make the decision to become willingly infertile while still a minor. This is what I say. There's no informed consent. None. There's no informed consent. She gets into gender dysphoria. And how the experiences of the patients at the center, they downplay the negative consequences. They emphasize the need for, trans- for transitioning. And how on one email, she said one time a colleague emailed her about a 15-year-old male patient saying, I'm concerned the patient does not understand what this medication by Cal, you, I don't even, can't even say it, to my does. And... Reed responds, I don't think that we start any, honestly anything right now. You treat uh, prostate cancer with that drug, prostate cancer, and it feminizes the bodies of men who take it. It gives them breasts. And the center was pre- prescribing it as a puberty blocker and a feminizing agent for boys. And it has a ton of side effects, including liver toxicity. They're giving this kind of stuff to kids. She said patients, how little they understood, was illustrated by a call they received at the center in 2020 from a 17-year-old biological female patient on testosterone. She said she was bleeding, like like almost menstrually, but she said it was uh, more, she said in less than an hour, she soaked through an extra heavy pad, her jeans, a towel she had wrapped around her waist. She was told to go to the emergency room right away because see, testosterone thins vaginal tissues. And her vaginal canal, I'm just going to say it, had been ripped open. This is a side effect of what they're doing to kids with these, with these drugs and hormones. She had to be sedated and given surgery to repair the damage. I mean, it is, there are so many things that the, she gets into the side effects. She gets into how 
these patients are neglected and mentally ill. And that their caseload is was pretty much almost nothing but disturbed young people. And that it is, it, this is horrible. She said that there was no rights for parents at the center. In Missouri, only one parent's consent is required for treatment of their child. If there's a dispute, the center always takes the side of the affirming parent. In 2019, she writes there was a custody case where a father and mother were arguing over whether or not to start their 11-year-old daughter, 11-year-old daughter on puberty blockers. The mother was convinced that the child was trans because the child was a tomboy. And the mother said no when she was asked if the if they, the daughter had adopted a boy's name if she was distressed as she said she felt like a boy. And when Reed told her the girl didn't meet the criteria for evaluation. And then the mother called back and said, oh, no, now she's totally in distress over her body. She uses a boy's name and wants to transition. The girl was prescribed a puberty blocker to prevent her healthy, normal development. The father disagreed, said it was all coming from the mother. The judge sided with the mother ultimately. She gets into... Uh, removing your breast, this, the top surgery that they so cutely call what really is happening. This is a horrifying account. They are attacking this woman. She even goes after Dr. Rachel Levine, the, the D- Department of Health and Human Services. And she said that her response about giving kids hormones and drugs for gender dysphoria, she said, quote, I felt stunned and sickened. Let me tell you this. I think this woman is incredibly brave. And when you have someone who, I mean, she's, uh, I, I mean, she's a gay female. She's married to a woman who identifies as a man. She says a trans man. And she worked at one of these centers and left. When you have someone who is like this, who is speaking out, that's when you really need to drop everything and listen. Because consider how toxic our culture is today. Disagreement is is tantamount to betrayal and she is so concerned by what she has seen with these kids and the permanent damage that is being done she is literally risking her reputation maybe i mean you've seen some how crazy some of these activists are maybe even her life who knows by speaking out like this and they're already going after her and she has a lot of authority here you this is something you must you should listen to and the left if they were not so damn tribal they would too this is unbelievable and this is happening in st louis at children's hospital i never thought i'd see the day if you're a regular listener then you've heard me talk about keltec and all the reasons why they're one of my personal favorites when it comes to firearms privately owned family company keltec has been making one-of-a-kind american-made firearms since 1995 driven by creativity keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market they innovate new ones including the new p50 the p50 platform is based around a 50 round double stack magazine which lays horizontally along the top of the grip the 5.7 cartridge comes in several variants from sporting hunting to personal defense and with how easy it handles its smooth shooting because it's well balanced and thus accurate you can definitely see keltec's reliability and quality at work the p50 is fun on the range but it's also great for serious home protection to find out more about the p50 and all other keltec weapons and products, check out keltechweapons.com. That's K E L T E C weapons.com. Keltech, creating innovative quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltechweapons.com. 
And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. A mm, couple stories here. So killer whale mothers make lifelong sacrifices for their whale sons, according to some the study on orcas, because they say it's more exhausting <laughs> to raise the boys than it is the girls. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, this it was they they said orca mothers provide more support to their sons and daughters, especially after the latter reach adulthood. That's kind of nice. It was researchers from Exeter, New, uh, York, and Cambridge Universities in the Center for Whale Research. So they've been studying orcas for a number of years. There's a lot of adorable photos in this, but mm-hmm. uh, very cute. Uh, also, let's see a couple of other things here. The free for all. Biden's going to let hundreds of thousands of illegal entrants cross the border into the United States under a plan that would see mass deportations of non-Mexicans to Mexico. So that might they might expel Venezuelan, Nicaraguan, Haitian, and Cuban migrants as they are as they expand what they're calling this parole process, with being fast tracked into the U.S. Mm. Uh, Walt Disney. So Nelson Peltz is like one of the big uh, shareholders in Disney, and he's had this proxy war with Bob Iger, and I, I think Peltz is now victorious. So now Disney is agreed to act 7,000 jobs. Iger's going to step, they're, he's, they're all stepping down. Five and a half billion dollars in a cost-cutting plan as well. That's pretty amazing. So they're, they're a, a significant transformation he's back as chief executive they said they got a, a significant transformation and chapik was the one who was dismissed by the board earlier and they needed to cut costs because it's i mean it's been this has been a, they've had just a disaster of uh non-stop bad pr but uh yeah bob Iger, he's going to step down within two years and they're announcing seven thousand job cuts to save five and a half billion dollars that's wild uh, also, uh, let's see, wholesale egg prices. Hmm. According to new data from Ernerberry, a market research firm that tracks wholesale food prices, the egg index has plunged 57% since peaking at $4.65 per dozen on December 19th. Whole prices are now a little over $2. That may not be reflected in retail prices, though it looks like they have likely peaked, though. Yeah, we'll see. We're still suspicious. Yellowstone. I don't know how I feel about this. Kevin Costner is going to apparently step back. He's got a passion project he's going to do. And Taylor Sheridan is eyeing a franchise extension with Matthew McConaughey. So that looks like that's something apparently that Paramount has said uh, is kind of given some indication to Deadline Hollywood about. Now, wait until you hear this. This is just rich. From Catherine Harridge, Hunter Biden's attorney, Abby Lowell, now responds to the GOP Oversight Committee's request for records and suggests meeting to include the committee's ranking member. She says, while your letter attempts to demonstrate legislative purpose for investigating Mr. Biden, it fails nevertheless to address that the committee's scope of oversight is limited when dealing with private persons like our client, Lowell wrote to the chairman, rather than engage in a back and forth letter writing campaigns or formal proceedings. I would offer to sit with you and your staff, including the ranking member and his staff, to see whether Mr. Biden has information that may inform some legitimate legislative purpose and be helpful to the committee. I hope that you will engage in this effort. He's not special. He's not precious. He's a failed to launch crackhead who has mired his father's administration and his dad by being a bad dad. 
in all of this drama because he can't stop recording his making his own porn and smoking crack on camera. I mean, how hard is this? It's not hard to not do all that stuff and put it on camera, guys. It's not hard. He's not a he's not a protected class here. And it is incredibly insightful and we need transparency. I think they should subpoena him. Let's quit playing around. We can make it easy or we can make it real easy. No, but we don't got time for this. No, I have time for this back and forth BS. We're owed answers. Get answers. Subpoena him. Make him come up. Drag them up. Put them, make them swear under oath and put them in front of the committee because this is enough. You know, they, they hid stories, suspended people, permanently closed accounts because people were sharing factual reporting. Hunter Biden did this to himself. And he expects daddy, the big guy, to clean it all up. He's the one who did it. And his dad enables this stuff. I'm sorry, what kind of father are you to sit here and enable this stuff? I mean, clearly there are issues. Whether it's with Ashley Biden or with Hunter Biden now, there's some serious issues happening here. And people are owed answers. I mean, we were, we, they, we were told, and this is, this is why it's important. Let us not forget, there were 51 intelligence agents who signed a letter claiming that this was a Russian op. Oh, they're trying to rob the election. No, you guys are trying to influence the election. 51 intelligence officials said this was an op. Now, you know, when you guys went to that level, you made it what it is. When you accused average everyday people of sharing Russian misinformation, when you had everyone from CIA, DOJ, DNI, everybody, FBI, all signing this letter saying that this is a Russian op misinformation campaign and that people who are taking part in it are are helping it oh no 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 chick you lost the ability to have a little private one-on-one tete-a-tete this has to be done publicly with full transparency because y'all decided to pull in the alphabet agencies of everybody that big daddy could pull in well now you got to answer to the public for it he's not a protected class he is not a special citizen and he has to answer for what he's done He did this. Everyone got smeared. Their characters impugned. People were permanently suspended. They had their reputations drugged through the mud. The victims here are everyone who had to put up with this fat ass crackhead taking pictures of himself, pulling on hooker's hair and and, you know, everything else. I can't even say half of it on air. We're the ones. We are the victims. We're the people who had to endure it. We're the ones who had to see the tea-stained teeth of Hunter Biden staring down the camera while he was in front of the camera, open robe, flabby and flaccid. We're the ones who had to endure it. We are the ones who had to be told the headlines of all these videos. He's in the deprivation tank. He's done this. 10% to the big guy. He's so mad. Throwing a gun in a trash can. All this other stuff. We are the victims. We have been victimized by this family, particularly by this 50-something-year-old baby precious protected special class honor Biden. Tired of it. And you ought to be as well. So no, Abby Lowell doesn't get to pretend that her client, well, we're, we're the clients of 
the House Oversight Committee. And you're going to come in and you're going to have a few words publicly so all of our clients can see it. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. (laughs) It's time for Florida Man. (laughs) Some of these headlines are ridiculous. Uh, Let's see. Now this... Oh, man. How'd I even... There's a couple of them. Let's start with this Florida man screaming at cast members at Epcot on... (laughs) An efficient use of your time. Oh, my gosh. I can't even. Okay, so the arrest report, Dakota Horger, 27 of Lake Worth, was charged with battery and disorderly conduct. Uh, Although I think prosecutors decided last week not to pursue criminal charges. He was a badly behaving guest at Disney World and and accused of abusing cast members. He was at the Rose and Crown Pub and at the UK Pavilion and Disney and the I guess they complained that he and another woman were causing a scene when a Disney manager intervened. He acted belligerent, loud, appeared to be intoxicated, then refused to leave Disney when they tried to kick him out several times. Uh, And apparently he screamed at Disney security, hit one of the security officers with a one of those cardboard poster containers took off some of his clothes to decide his, to disguise his appearance, said the arrest report, and then screamed, what are you going to do about it after he hit a security officer with said cardboard container? He was taken into custody, of course. Uh, also, this, mm-mm-mm, so many, so much room for activities. This, I, can't, I don't really want to do that one. That one, no. Uh, golly. Or I can do this one. A Ferrari was left hanging in an elevator. I am what? It was a county rescue. It was CBS 12. Apparently, a a Ferrari was left hanging in an elevator shaft at a car dealership. And when I say hanging in an elevator shaft, I mean vertically. Palm Beach County. They had to to go and help uh, and handle a fuel leak. They had to cut power to the business and everything. It took four hours to get the car out of the shaft. There were no injuries. Oh my gosh, there are injuries to my soul because of the damage of the Ferrari. Thanks for tuning in to today's edition of Dana Lash's Absurd Truth Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.